You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Episode 76. 77. Is that? I yeah. can't believe yeah. it. <laughs> I literally just looked it up. Wow. Uh, episode 77. Yep. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. My name's Andrew. With me, as always, is Corland. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning, everyone. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the podcast, um, yeah, we do this uh, roughly about once a week, and we either answer questions about theology or the Bible, or we have topics that we come up with. So um, we have a question that came in. It's a good one. And it's a good one. And so we're going to tr- do our best to try and answer it. And then I've got a great uh, clip that we're going to react to and kind of pick apart. So this person wrote in, hi, I have been binge listening to the podcast, Woo-woo. which we're like, yeah, all right. Thank you. I was asked a question the other day and was wondering if there's any biblical theories answering the question, where is heaven? Um, the cliche is that it is in the sky and angels play harps in the clouds while they they are watching us. Some said they think it has to do with dimensions, black holes, and DNA. So uh, I guess, you know, bottom line, the question is, uh, and then this person said, I'm still waiting for your merch to come out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I said, yeah, that might not happen, but that'd be cool. But it might. But it might, if we get enough followers and listeners. But it might not. So... Uh, where is heaven? Can that actually be I, Yeah, it's answered? answered really, really easily, actually. So I just did a really quick Google search, <laughs> and oh, it's wow. 9831, 98th at Fort St. John, B.C. Um, oh, I'm not even kidding. There's Look, a place called Heaven, B.C. Sushi Heaven. Oh, Sushi But heaven. if you just Google where is heaven wah, and you live wah. in Fort St. John, <laughs> it gives you an address. So if you're looking for a physical place to go, there you go. So that's a really interesting question. I think... Um, I think the the Western North American view of heaven is kind of what this person said, that it's this picture of, well, it's up in the clouds somewhere, right? And and uh, every every kind of like cartoon or drawing or image that you see of heaven, it's there's St. Peter standing, and it's all kind of like billowy, fluffy clouds, and there's the gates, and he's welcoming you in. And then, like this person said, you know, angels are sitting around playing harps. I always remember the... Um, uh, the Philly cream cheese commercials from like a long time ago. There they are. They're up in heaven. She's got her wings and they're eating cream cheese on the clouds. And it's like, that's heaven. So is that accurate? Is there like a biblical, uh, like case for this is what heaven looks like. This is where it is. Or I actually think that that perception has evolved in uh, the church where at least in the, the, the church stream, I was more familiar with where it's like, I've seen heaven. It's a party, and you have mansions, and you just have yes. every earthly desire you could ever imagine, and yep. cars, and you have all your family with you, and yep. your dogs, and your cats, and your fish. <laughs> and it's like, in all of these descriptions, streets of gold, and everything perfect, I've not actually, at least right now, I cannot remember... A, a narrative where and we just worship God and he was there and in all of the descriptions it was all like how good it is for me nothing hurt anymore and it was perfect and I had everything I wanted 
but I've not heard like, and Jesus was there and we just ran to him and threw off everything and worshiped him. Yeah. You've not, I've not heard those descriptions of this utopia, this heaven. And then even like, you know, with more kind of charismatic, you know, not even charismatic, but you have all these people who have been like, I went to heaven, right? Um, all those 10 minutes in heaven, seven minutes in heaven, 22 minutes in heaven, whatever heaven it is. Heaven is real, man. Yeah, heaven. That's the one. Heaven is for real. And a lot of them actually came out and said, yeah, we made it all up. But they have people that say, like, I went to heaven. And it's exactly those kind of things, like you said. Like, okay, well, you died on the operating operating table and you went to heaven. What was it like? Well, I saw my grandma and yeah. there was mansions. And, and I guess, like, in, in the book of Revelation, at the end, it describes the new heavens and the new earth. Like when Jesus returns, he ushers in final judgment. The universe is recreated, like renewed back to its original glory. So I'm not going to read all of it, but you have these, you have some of those types of images where again, you have to ask, okay, is this like a literal or is this just heaven's too great to comprehend? So we're going to try and describe it like this. So you have like, um, you know, the, the the holy city, New Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven. There's no more tears. There's no pain. There's no crying. And then it says, uh, I saw the New Jerusalem um, like a rare jewel, clear as crystal. It had a high wall and 12 gates. And there's all these. I'm not going to read all of it. All these like gold. The foundations of the wall were every kind of jewel. And there were pearls. And the streets of the city were pure gold, transparent as glass. And so people read that and they go, well, that's literally described. Okay, so in heaven, there's literal yep. streets made out of gold. Okay, and that's all the images you yep. see, right? Yep. So, um, I guess we're I guess we're more answering what is heaven than where it is. But I think that's important to, to yep. kind of like clarify, right? Set some ground. A lot of our it. Western views of heaven are just not really biblical. Or it's taking images and saying, well, then literally that that is literally what it is. Well, then if you're going to take that, then the 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 new city in heaven is like literally a cube. If you're going to take the actual dimensions and that's just bizarre. It's like, well, is it It, actually It could be, but also. But yeah. But then you go, okay, is there symbolism behind all these things, which I think there is. I don't think it's okay. It's literally a cube that, you know, goes up into the sky. Okay. So I don't know thoughts biblically. What where do we do with this then? It's it's um, understandable to like when you think of heaven being above or beyond, just because throughout Scripture, Mm -hmm. um, heaven's like indicated to be away above the earth, tower of tower of Babel. You know, come, let us go down. God says heaven described as being above the earth in Psalms and a place where the Lord looks down and Jesus is described as having ascended to heaven and descended from heaven throughout John. And in Acts, of course, Jesus is described as being taken up into heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, we're left with, of course, this idea, this, this foundation of, well, heaven is up and heaven is beyond earth. Sure. But then some might argue heaven is where God is, which is a challenge also because God is in us and with us and through us and, and also in heaven. But that omnipresence, which we talked about two years ago, is a really tough one to wrap your mind around also because God is fully present in heaven and fully present with us because he's spirit. And so then in heaven, is God physical or can you see him or is it spirit? That's difficult to wrap your mind around. I think, too, it's important to to think about 
the ancient Jewish perspective of the world itself, right? So you have, usually they thought of the world on like three basic levels and you had like the sea or down below, which is like chaotic and death, like yep. death bringing. You had the land, which is where people could live and you, you could actually survive. And then you had the heavens, which were above what you were, right? Yeah. They were, they were far above and there was, uh, it sound it sounds crazy, but they would have believed even that like the stars were signs and that the stars were like rule rulers and authorities of like the spiritual realm. That's just their cosmic perception. Totally, because um, they didn't have the information that we did now. So then, when you they think were of those such things, idiots. <laughs> yeah, when, when you think of those things, it kind of you have to look at how they write about heaven and the ascending and descending out of of heaven from a, a perspective and from and through a lens that those Jewish authors and the ancient authors would have had, I think anyways, just to understand best the, the symbolism that they're using and such. So if you think of it, of course, Jesus would have as, or descended from heaven instead of ascending from the depths of the dark. If he is God, he would have had to have come from somewhere good, not somewhere bad, mm-hmm. right? So the language there makes sense. And then also I, I think that... <clears throat> I don't know. I think there are elements of that language, even though they may be symbolic, that we might be able to trust that that's true as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I would say you can hold intention that <clears throat> symbolism and and literally taking it word for word to to an extent. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, as to where where heaven is, though, do you guys think that there like is there a specific spot on the globe? Oh, yeah, I guess we could talk about. I don't know. Is God going to literally make a different earth when we say a new, new creation, new heaven and new earth? Well, let's press pause on that, but that's good. But let's answer the first question. <laughs> I'll ask. So yeah, there I'll, I'll read a few, um, passages and I am using a great, you know, just theology textbook. Cause I was just like, what does this guy think? Yep. So this is Wayne Grudem's thoughts on this, but he says, um, the place where God dwells is frequently called heaven in scripture. So he's not denying that, like, yes, God is omnipresent. He's always with us. But there seems to be that God's dwelling place, right, is in heaven. And so he talks about Isaiah 66, 1, where God says, heaven is my throne. You know, he doesn't say, he actually says, earth is my footstool. Mm-hmm. So yeah. heaven is where I sit. And so God is spirit. So you have to, like, wrap, Again, your, wrap your mind around this. But he says, heaven is my throne. Um, Jesus teaches us to pray our father who aren't or who is in heaven. Yeah. So there's like, uh, Jesus seems to, when he teaches us how to pray, okay, wrap your minds around that. Our father is in heaven, whatever that means. Um, in first Peter three 22, uh, we're told that Jesus has gone into, into heaven and is at the right hand of God. So it's not, he, it doesn't say that he just kind of like disappeared no he the language is that he went like he he went to heaven wherever that is and then um uh so anyways wayne grudem defines heaven is heaven is the place where god most fully makes known his presence so he's not denying that god's you know us three here we're believers god's spirit is with us he's literally dwells in us but he says that heaven seems to be described as the place where god's presence most fully dwells um and then so there's a lot of then you know you can get into some mystical things okay well if god is everywhere then maybe like heaven is all around us or maybe it's a state of mind which i don't think biblically it is i don't think it's just 
Well, yeah, it's all in your head and heaven's here. It's not a metaphysical existence. No, no, I think heaven is a real place. It's an actual place because um, I'm just going to keep going with this. You know, the New Testament teaches the idea of a location for heaven in several different ways. Um, You mentioned it, the fact that in Acts 1, Jesus literally ascends and the disciples actually watch him go up, whatever that Mm -hmm. means. And he says, I'm going, I'm going back to my father. So you kind of go, okay, he didn't just disappear. Yeah. He wasn't standing in front. He just faded away. So it's not that heaven is, oh, it's just always all around us. Right. No, he ascended into heaven, whatever that means. Um, and then the angels who, who speak to the disciples, they say, um, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he's going to come in the same way. Like you'll see him mm-hmm. coming, descending, descending from heaven. Um, and then even if you think of when Stephen was martyred as, as they're stoning him, um, he looks into heaven and it's like he sees a vision. It's like the, you know, sometimes the Bible talks about like the veil that's kind of separating the spiritual world from the physical world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of pulled back. And then Stephen says, oh, I can see God and I can see Jesus on his throne and he's standing. And, and so he kind Mm -hmm. of gets a glimpse of heaven. So I think heaven is a real place. I think heaven belongs to this kind of spiritual dimension that we just don't see. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think like if we just went up far enough, we could reach it. Hubble mm-hmm. telescope hasn't found it yet anyways. Yeah. So. so I don't think when we go like, where is heaven? Well, if you travel far enough in the universe, you'll find it. No, because it's a spiritual place. Yeah. Right. It's, yep. It doesn't belong to our physical dimension right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah. Cause even with what I was saying, one of the, the people that I was, cause I, I try to usually research both sides cause it's a good way to see what makes sense and what doesn't and, and what is accurate and what isn't. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, he would, he would land on words, uh, like the cosmos or like any, any Greek or Hebrew word for that, like in the sense of like all of reality, and one possible translation of that is a universe. And so he would use that one word then where he'd be like, well, God is outside of the universe. And I don't know if you've seen men in black, but like they zoom out on the world and so they go into the Milky Way and then they go into the big, bigger and greater galaxy. And then eventually they like keep zooming out. And it turns out that that galaxy is sitting inside a marble that these like alien dinosaurs are playing with. And he's like, so God is like outside of the universe like this. And I'm men like, in I don't black was right. <clears throat> I don't think that a, a God who can create the universe is constrained by the fact that he couldn't still exist within it and, and sure have it, have his spiritual realm be within the universe still that's still outside of the universe, so to speak. But yeah, I, we land on certain words often is what I'm trying to point out here and say that points to exactly where this is. And I don't know that that's always a helpful thing. Like when it comes to specific point on a map location. Yeah. So I guess this could have been a really short podcast. Where is heaven? Well, we have no idea. (laughs) And I think like the idea of like, well, maybe if it's DNA or black holes or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I I actually think that's a distraction. We're actually, I don't think we're ever called in scripture to like figure it out. Hmm. There's actually so much mystery around heaven, but even like, uh, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, they don't talk a lot about heaven. They mention paradise a few times. Yep. Mm-hmm. But Jesus doesn't sit down and say, okay, I'm going to give you a sermon about e- uh, here's what heaven's like. Yep. Here's a, da, da. He, he just said, I like, mean, I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven. May, I mean, 
who knows? Maybe he did and he didn't record it. Well, I'm yeah, not, I'm not saying that he did, and there's secret knowledge out there, so to That's speak. Kind of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but but think about the purpose of our our Bible too. To what you're saying, um, Jesus himself points it out. Paul talks about it quite often. All of Scripture points to it. It's a story about Jesus. It's it's a mm-hmm. piece of literary work that points to Jesus, not yeah. to heaven not to knowledge about hell. It's not that we can't see things from that and, and yeah. take pieces and, and piece together an idea, but it there is no solid passage, like you said, sermon on that because yeah. the important thing is that we would come to know Jesus so that when the new heaven and new earth are made, we're there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've often told people like the goal of a Christian is not, we don't, the goal is not to die and go to heaven. And they're like, what? what? Mm-hmm. The goal in, in the end is that heaven actually comes down to earth and God dwells with people. So I, I believe that scripture does teach because Paul and Jesus talk about it like a believer now when they die, they're immediately in the presence of Jesus. It's called paradise, whatever that means. Yeah. And their soul is with Jesus. But that's not the end. The end goal is mm-hmm. not that I go and play a harp and sit up on a cloud somewhere. The goal at the end when Jesus returns is that like Revelation 21 and 22 talking about that God renews the universe, heaven and earth kind of overlap, and God, it's like the Garden yeah. of Eden. God the dead dwell. in Christ shall rise, which yeah. is that throws a lot of, uh, throws a lot of, yeah, but like heaven is, like our eternity in heaven is a physical, even, even what Paul says existence. in Ephesians chapter two, starting in 19, uh, just to the end of the chapter, it's only a couple verses. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple, which is a dwelling place for the Lord. I, uh, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Right? That if heaven is God's dwelling space and our role is to bring in the kingdom of heaven, then we are doing that right now. It's, it's, it's an already, but not yet picture, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And I do believe um, that this earth is, is renewed and that heaven and (coughs) earth, like you said, come together because um, the opposite of that is where I think Christians get in trouble with you. Well, you said I'm going to die and go to heaven. So I don't care about, the planet i don't care about being mindful of waste i don't care about recycling like this garbage heap but i'm gonna leave because i'm an alien here and it's all this kind of language that says the earth is not my home and so well the world and not necessarily the globe or the 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 structure of it it's just the spirit of the world in the sense of evil is not your home and you are an alien there but Mm -hmm. but you can get into a lot of trouble thinking like i don't have to be mindful because it conflicts with 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 our responsibilities to be caretakers mm-hmm. to be uh have dominion like you don't yeah abuse to which you have dominion over so yeah yeah those those mindsets conflict and i don't know why it's difficult but like you said just offline like there are folks who who can't see beyond the black and white in the moment or even worse can't yeah can't read something in scripture and think about the beginning of text and wait a minute that conflicts and I have to figure out why that conflicts yeah. or look into that or ask around or read a commentary mm-hmm. because you can get into a lot of trouble just being blind, having blinders within scripture. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can justify I, not looking after and, and surrendering your responsibilities to be caretakers of this earth. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think sometimes like topics like this, uh, it's it's good to think about, but sometimes they can be a distraction or an obsession that it's like I got to figure out where heaven is and what exactly it looks like. And I'm just like, well, we're not told definitively in scripture so you'll spend your whole life trying to like... You won't find the coordinates for heaven in Scripture. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, where is heaven? We have no idea. It seems to be, according to Scripture, not seems to be, according to Scripture, it is a real place, but we have no... It's not like, I found it! Yeah. It's like the Garden of Eden. People who are like, oh, we know some of the coordinates. Maybe we can find it. I'm like, I, I don't think the point is to ever find I, it. Like, there's. I have one argument to that, and that is, you know, we... Garden of Eden, obviously, there's spiritual beings and, and humans interacting, right? I mean, you have the serpent coming and, and uh, tempting Adam and Eve. Um, one of the things that I've always asked people that are like, yeah, well, we're, we're close. Like, we, we've almost found it. It's like, okay, don't you think that flaming swords and angels standing guard over the entrance of a garden would be pretty obvious if you think you know where it is? Like, <laughs> like with satellite imagery and all these things, don't, like, maybe you'd see it right yeah, yeah. it doesn't sound like that's something in in the biblical narrative it doesn't sound like something that's like uh i don't know it doesn't sound like it's not visible to people right? sure and yet it's it's we're not in that edenic state anymore right we're we're fallen and broken creatures outside of that edenic state so i don't sure yeah spiritual realm type stuff yeah so i mean what i was getting at is that yeah <coughs> we can we can spend hours trying to and i remember in seminary people would debate stuff that i'm like this means little to nothing to it's fun to think about but like yeah. people are dying and going to hell and we're sitting around going where's heaven i'm like well we'll never we don't know and mm. let's just rest in that and it's going to be great when jesus returns or when i die and go there it's going to be awesome that's there you go <laughs> i think i used to always think that when the world would end and, and heaven would be ushered in or whatever that like we it, have you guys seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by chance? No, I'm a Christian. Okay. <laughs> well, there's there's a scene where it, no, I'm 37. Think of any, th think of any scene like maybe Alderaan from Star Wars when the Death Star blows it up, and it'd be like hmm. Jesus returns and he like sucks us all back into space far enough that we're safe, and then the world it just like poof, blows up in front of us, and all the sinners die and stuff on it, and that's the hell because it's burning and fire and explosions and stuff, and then God would like actually make the new earth in front of us and then we'd get like zip back down that's what i used to think but wow. i don't anymore there's people that still think that <laughs> <laughs> i i think something that's important when we're talking about stuff like this the concept of heaven and, and where it could be and where we will be when we're in heaven i think it's important to look at the whole narrative of scripture and look at how god has consistently promised renewal for the people here and now it doesn't make sense in, in a narrative where God is renewing his people and, and the world through his people who he has given dominion over the world, it doesn't make sense that at the end of that he'd be like, well, you were close, boom, and just blow everything up. <laughs> it, just, it doesn't make sense, right? I think rather if we see Christ coming down again and ushering in that new Jerusalem, that new Edenic state, mm -hmm. I, I think it makes way more sense that if we think that as Christians, instead of us literally blowing up when we become Christians and being made into a new human out of the goop that was on the ground then, 
<laughs> we don't believe that the the new heart is is a spiritual thing, right? So I think that when we think of renewal in the sense of the world and creation, I think that's how we should view it. If mm. we believe that we are a transformed creation because of what Christ has done in our hearts, and that that affects the rest of our lives when Christ returns and makes it new, it's I think it'll be quite similar. Mm-hmm. I don't. I read in the Passion Translation oh, actually. Boy. The oh boy. <laughs> okay, and that's it. That's uh, we're out of time. Off there, folks. So hopefully that's helpful. I know that if you were looking for an answer of where is heaven, we just didn't really answer it. But hopefully that was helpful to you. That um, yeah, heaven is a real place, and it's going to be great. Um, so now we want to play the podcast cast react. We want to play a round of. The podcast cast react. Um, I have a great clip from Prophet Chris Valatin. Uh, this is day. from a 2018 conference. So this is like a 48-minute sermon. So I'm just, we're jumping in 13 minutes into it. Uh, his sermon was entitled, Creating a Prophetic Culture from the Heaven Come Conference 2018. So four years ago. So, um... I was trying to find a specific because I watched uh, some guy did like a full critique of this sermon where basically he just watched it and then paused it and made comments. But there was a section in that where um, and I couldn't find it because I didn't have time. But Chris Valentin's talking about the fact that like following Jesus makes you a narcissist because it's kind of all about you. And so anyways, we'll watch part of this. She said, all right, I'll be, I'll be the Wonder Woman. I put them down. And oh, okay, yeah. So he's telling a story about his grandkids who were playing like Spider-Man and Superman. And then the, the, the granddaughter was like, I want to be Spider-Man. And he said, like, you can be Wonder Woman. So the whole point is they're picking superheroes to okay. be. Sorry. And there they were, three superheroes wrestling in the front room. I walked away and I had this thought. No one, no little child, no child is begging to be the garbage man. When you were born, there was something in you, like, as a child, you knew that you were born to be amazing. <laughs> Children, they want to be the beautiful princess, Spider-Man, Superman, the great, they want to be somebody awesome. And I'd propose to you that it takes about 12 years of religion to convince you that being a loser is somehow spiritual. Because when you were little, you knew that you were born to be amazing. I've been all over the world, Africa, I've been, in, I've been all over the world, and every child, even in the, in the, in the, Bush, bush of Africa, in the poorest places of Africa, I say, what do you want to be? And they say, I, I, I want to be a prophet. I want to be a mayor. I want to be a princess. I want to be an actress. I highly doubt that. I want some food so I don't die tonight. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> How many of you understand, when you were a child, you knew that you were born to be amazing? There's something about connecting with Jesus. How many of you know that when you see him, you become like him because you were made in his image and his likeness? In fact, Paul said that when we see Jesus, it's like looking in a mirror. John said... No, that's, <laughs> that's not what Paul says. <laughs> Paul says that we see Jesus in like a, a mirror dimly, meaning we don't see everything. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I look at Jesus and see myself. Anyways. That we're going from glory to glory when we see Jesus. There's something about Jesus, you know... You know, when the disciples, every time, Jesus had 12 disciples, do you know that? Do you remember that every time Jesus got about 30 yards from them, do you remember what they argued about? Who's the greatest? Can you imagine getting 12 friends together? 
and you leave them in a loam in the room, do you think all 12 of them would be arguing over who's the greatest? Maybe a couple, you know, really dominant personalities. But the Bible says that all of Jesus' disciples argued about who's the greatest. In fact, the argument got so, so bad one time. Do you remember that Peter and John got their, I mean, James and John got their mother involved? And James and John's mother says to Jesus one day, Jesus, grant me one, grant me one wish. What is it? That my sons will sit at your left and right hand in the kingdom. Do you remember that story? And the Bible says that the rest of the disciples were indignant. You know why they're indignant? Because they didn't think about getting their mother involved. <laughs> Do you know that the gospel of John is the only gospel that calls John the, disciples whom Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved? All three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, call him John. But when John wrote the gospel, his own gospel, he wrote, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you know the Gospel of John is the only Gospel that tells you that when Peter and John ran to the tomb, who got there first? John chapter 20, and Peter and John ran to the tomb, and John got there first. <laughs> I wrote in my margin, and who cares? And John's the guy that said, if all the miracles that Jesus did were written down, the earth itself could not contain the books. So John's only writing things he thinks are important, and he writes, and John got there first. Now, I understand that this is a little subjective, but I really doubt that those disciples, before they met Jesus, argued about who's the greatest. What I'm getting at is this. There's something about hanging around Jesus. Here we go. There's something about hanging around Jesus that causes you to realize that you were born to be amazing. <laughs> so I'll pause it there. Any... Uh thoughts i have lots <clears throat> essentially what he's getting at is that and this is this is bethel 101 like you are amazing you were destined to be great god mm -hmm. has it's all about you essentially yeah um but i don't know like thoughts of what I, some of the stuff that he said i feel like he takes partial truths and pushes them really really hard so like yeah all the, the, time. the you were born to be amazing it's like i mean Humanity was created in the image of God. That is amazing. The The role that we have on earth is amazing. But if it's self-centered to the point of like, who's the greatest among us? And like, I couldn't possibly be a garbage man. It's like, yeah, that's really <laughs> like, I, I don't Ouch know. to all the garbage men listening. Being yeah. Like, I actually really like And your job. son <laughs> who like loves garbage trucks and stuff. I don't know. I Yeah, it's interesting. What he's saying is like when you get around Jesus, you start realizing how amazing you are. So actually Jesus like rebuked his disciples. He yeah. didn't go like, Oh, oh guys, you're yeah. all amazing. No, he's right. John he, did make it first. Yeah. yeah. Everyone and so, gets the truth. so a couple of things like, yeah, he constantly rebuked his disciples yep. and he said to the mother, like, can they actually die? Like I'm going to die. It's not my place to decide who sits on my right hand or left hand. Like he didn't just go like you silly disciples. You're all great. Right. He said, like, it's pride. You, yeah. you are way off base now. The fact that he uses John as an example. The, the reason John says the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's actually uh, a, a humble thing. He never mentions himself by name. 
And in John 20, it does not say that John got there first. It says the other disciple got there first. He doesn't even name himself. Yeah. So the whole, the point that John never names himself is because he's humble. He's like, it's not about me. I'm not. So to say that like, oh, he just like threw all these things in there because being around Jesus makes you realize how amazing you are. It's so, yeah, yeah, it's a really dangerous again. So it's a man centered theology that, and then Chris Valentin, if you watch the whole sermon, he like never once actually opens his Bible. He just says, do you know the Bible says that when you look at Jesus, it's like looking in a mirror. Where's well, the verse? Well, that's not what the Bible says. Yeah. Do you know that when in John 20, it says John got there first? That's not what the Bible says. So he's constantly saying like, do you know? I'm like, do you know? <laughs> it's, it's actually a, it's a, it's a model of public speaking that um, encaptivates people in their thought. And you can actually like remember when and like you're, you're yes. speaking at them. And in the moment, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And you don't have you, those people probably go home thinking, oh, I'm not, I'm not sh- oh, he's a good guy. He must have just got mm-hmm. a little off. Charles Spurgeon had a great quote I saw this morning, actually, when I was just messing around. And it's a disturbance is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Um, and that's why I think that so many people get trapped in that, because in the moment, it just sounds good. Like you just have the emotion and hundreds of people around you are agreeing. Yeah. Um, and you just get caught into it. It's just like mob mentality like that. Yeah. That sounds great. I, I think a good place to go with this too is whenever we do these things, quite often Cameron or I or you before Andrew have looked up like their websites or anything and you mm. can see what kind of material they push. If you if you ever listen to something, you're like, oh, that sounded, like you said, in the moment you're like, oh, that sounded kind of good. Yeah. To go back. So like the very first thing on his website uh is transform the world within you so you can transform the culture, the realm, the leaders. And it just like cycles through these words around you. And then underneath it says, live fully alive, co-labor with God, change the world. And then right underneath it has a world changer assessment quiz. Like you go a little bit down and you have like who he is. You have discover your personal plan for changing your world. Yeah. Uh, it's not our world. Get yeah. equipped. I'm passionate about helping you know who you are in God and become a free conduit for kingdom impact. Yeah. I've created resources to help you I'm do like, just that. Like, what do these words mean? Words conduit. Like, yeah. man. So I, I did listen to more of the sermon. So later on, what he kind of gets into is the fact that, like, you're a new creation. And he actually says, you know, lots of times people say you're a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. He says, you're not a sinner anymore. And so he's getting into the whole, like, you you don't have a sin nature. That's yeah. that's his whole what premise. And, and so when he uses is, well, look, Adam and Eve sinned and they didn't have a sin nature. So he's trying to connect the dots going like you as a if, new creation, you yeah. don't have a sin nature anymore. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint now. And it's like, no, no, no. A Man. saint that sins then? That, yeah, that, yeah that, it's that, both. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard this argument before, like you're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. And the Bible would clearly say, no, you're both at the same time. And yeah. I know that's hard to wrap your head around. Sure. In Jesus, yes, you are a saint, but you also have have a that, sin nature, and you still sin. That's the that's the key, though. In Christ, yeah, we are totally. a saint, not in ourselves. In because Christ. he stands between us and God on judgment totally. day. He's Despite our righteous living and sanctification, he still has to stand between yeah. us and a holy God. Yeah. Despite seventy years of great living. Yeah. Um, so the the yeah. sad part for me is that basically the whole sermon is like you're amazing. Um, you don't have a sin nature. God created you to be awesome. Um. And the sad part is, is like, if you look at the video of it, it's like a 
pat there there are thousands of people sitting there's there be, and you can hear be. them going yes oh amen good word and i'm like he's not telling you the truth all the truck drivers in the crowd all of the people working good you know yeah, what happens to the garbage man that's there yeah well it's like well you're living I, less than i settled yeah i i so well, it's sad because it's, it's not the whole gospel. Like if people don't hear, yes, you you are created in the image of God, but you're like a wretched sinner. You need Jesus. It's not just like, oh, I'm amazing. Yeah. Then you're not going to go to heaven thinking that I'm great. I don't have to do anything. This is awesome. No, yeah. you need, you're a sinner. You, you are a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. And so anyways... That just infuriates me. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Paul would disagree greatly. Yeah, and like I like that you brought that up, uh, Cameron. That it's discernment is not just like, oh yeah, if he got up and said, you know, Jesus isn't God, we'd all go, well, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But when he gets up and says, you're amazing, you're not a sinner, we go, oh, it's it's almost true. Sure. And so it's learning how to go, oh, but it's not true though. An almost yeah. truth isn't a truth. It's still a lie. Like. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, we're trying to hopefully help you listeners learn how to have discernment when you listen to Corlin preach and he says all these half truths. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been episode 77. Hopefully it's been helpful and entertaining at least. Uh, and if you have other questions as you're listening, please uh, send us a message and we will do our best to answer them. We will talk to you next week.